Today was a day for the D, and they did a great job. How about the D? How about the Bucks D? Two wins in a row. They say they come in bunches. Well, they were right. Turnovers, four of them for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after having two last week against the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to break it down on our podcast, A Few Extra Bucks, here on PeterPyrus.com. I am merely Mike Neighbors. I am joined in the press box here at Raymond James Stadium with our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings, and our producer, Justin Thomas, is back pulling down all kinds of reaction from the Bucks' second straight victory. First, I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. Roy Cummings, uh, initial reaction. You know what else comes in bunches when turnovers or takeaways come in bunches? Victories come in bunches. Yeah. The Bucks have, it's a small bunch, but two in a <laughs> row. That, you'll take that anytime. And you know what's amazing, Mike? The, the Buccaneers, I think the next time you see a visual of what the NFC playoff picture looks like, you just may see the Buccaneers in that graphic yeah. because they're out of the cellar in the NFC South. And all of a sudden, second place, they got a shot at doing something here. Look, they're still a long ways away. They still have to, in essence, win out. But, hey, they just backed up what a lot of people, you know, were not being critical. But when you beat the 49ers, it's like, okay, you beat the 49ers. Let's see what you do against Carolina. Okay, well, they just took care of Carolina. And they took care of Carolina in a way – that I don't think anybody would have expected. The offense kind of sputtered a little bit. Um, they had enough offense to win. Special teams were solid. But the defense, once again, really strong. Defense, I'm going to have to admit it. I was not a big fan of the Mike Smith move um, just because I didn't think it would make a whole lot of difference. But you know what? There is a difference. We'll get into it later. But there is a difference with the Mike Mark Duffner defense. Justin Thomas, uh, when you woke up this morning, did you know who Andrew Adams was? Absolutely not. No, everyone does now, though. Wasn't he the fourth president of the United That's States? Right. <laughs> see, there was John, John Quincy, and Andrew. And Andrew, right? yes. yeah, the yes. family with three presidents. Correct, isn't that it? <laughs> Very presidential. You know, how about these these numbers? Roy and I talked about this watching the game today. It's amazing. The last Bucks cornerback to have three interceptions in a game was Hakeem Talib, former first round pick. But this is the stat that I like even better. Darrell Rivas, who made a million dollars per game when he played in Tampa Bay, only played in one season for the Bucks. He had less interceptions in one season than Andrew Adams had today. That's incredible. Wow. What a stat that, that is. What a stat <laughs> that is. I mean, look, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I was in favor of the Darrell Rivas move because back then you had a different defensive philosophy. It was an attack defense. The problem with the whole Dar- Darrell Rivas thing. It was not the money they pay. Everybody complains about the money. Don't worry about the money. Were the Bucks under the salary cap at the time? Of course they were. Was the money wasted? Absolutely not. Because you're not going to spend it on other things. Here's the thing. The problem with Darrell Rivas, they put him into his own scheme. He's not his own scheme player. That was the mistake that happened with that defense and Darrell Rivas. They took a square peg and tried to put it into a round hole. The Bucks' defense of late, under Mike Smith in essence, has been a lot like that because I've said this before on this podcast, no one did a better job of working with Levante David than Greg Schiano because Greg Schiano had that defense and Levante David in particular playing downhill, attacking the line of scrimmage. We're starting to see more of that out of Mark Duffner. We saw it today 
uh, guys attacking the line of scrimmage in the pass rush, and not just obviously defensive linemen. I'm talking about Levante David, Kevin Minter, your buddy. Um, <laughs> so that's what has to happen. And that's what is happening with this defense. Just another hint as to what we're talking about with how this defense bounced back today. Andrew Adams is why you love sports. This is a guy who the Bucks basically just picked up off the street back in September, was cut by the New York Giants. He had one pick with the Giants, but wasn't drafted. was a free agent with them. And, you know, this secondary, you know, it's calling card early on was, uh, you know, how young they were. Yeah. You know, you, you hope you can lean on Brent Grimes. He hasn't panned out this year. Then Vernon Hargraves gets hurt. Then MJ Stewart and Carlton Davis. They're not playing. And and that was the big storyline for me going in. Cam Newton's going to shred the secondary. And lo and behold, you got to give credit to Andrew Adams and the Duffmeister, baby. You do. You do have to give credit. Here's the thing. Uh, not only were, was the secondary young, it's inexperienced. Because, yeah, oh, okay. Uh, Andrew Adams has had, prior to coming to the Buccaneers, 17 starts over two years with the Giants. Uh, not a bad, but but he wasn't good enough to stick around with the Giants, who, by the way, I don't think anybody is suggesting is a Super Bowl contender, <laughs> much like the Buccaneers. But at the same time, JV and Elliott, who had the other interception today, these are role players. Dirk Cutter said in his post-game press conference today, Mike, you were there right with me, our role players today were our stars. And this, I think, is where Mark Duffner is, get, is get, needs some credit. The bottom line, folks, is execution. The Buccaneers are executing the defense much better now than they were under Mike Smith. One of the reasons, and I've talked to a lot of the players in the locker room about trying to find out what is the answer here. Why is the defense suddenly playing better? We'll get into some of the numbers that prove how much better they are. And believe me, folks, they will they – will, they are eye-popping numbers. But the thing is, back back when Mike Smith was running this defense, they would run one, two checks per series, perhaps. Now they're running maybe one or two checks per game. And when I say checks, these are pre-read changes, pre-snap changes uh, that are that the defense says, okay, we're in this defense, but we're going to check to this defense because we see this. Or we're going to check to this defense because we see that. Or we're going to check – the linebackers are going to do this instead of doing that because we see something different here. All that stuff slows players down. So you've got that going for the Buccaneers right now. They're playing basic, simple schemes that don't require all that uh, concentration and all of that uh, communication, which allows you to play faster. That's number one. Number two, what I found out is that Mark Duffner has basically taken players – like Levante David, as you saw today, got him charging downhill. Same with Kevin Minter. Got guys like JV and Elliott and Andrew Adams in positions where they're going to succeed. This is from the Bill Belichick Bible of coaching. This is how you coach players. You have 46 players on your roster on a Sunday. Who does what best? And you pull put them into those situations during the game so that you can get the best and most out of them. You don't put somebody into a position where he's bound to fail. You put him into a position where he's bound to succeed. Mark Nufter's doing that. He's got the defensive lineman rushing straight ahead. You're seeing fewer uh, stunts, which is one thing Gerald McCoy likes. JPP's better at it. He moves them around, but there's fewer stunts. Doesn't mean you don't see them, but there's fewer of them. And he's got the, the linebackers attacking more, those who can attack. He's got the linebackers dropping back more, those who can drop back into coverage. And he's got the secondary basically shuttling players in and out throughout the course of the day, putting them in positions where, hey, this is a spot where he really plays well. Andrew Adams is a real good center fielder. We found that out today. And guess what? So did the Carolina Panthers. 
you didn't, you're not going to see him necessarily coming into the box on a rundown, but you're going to see him in a third and long situation. Oh, lo and behold, what happened? Go look at the plays today. On those deep throws, he was the one who was there. You know, you were talking about in our uh, extra slice where you can also check that out on uh, PeterPyrus.com. We have a video breakdown. We always like to give you more in the podcast, but we give you the video and the podcast after the Bucks games. And Roy, you know, you mentioned Bill Belichick. I mean, sometimes it's it's more than players. It's scheme. It's it's more than it's it's all about coaching. Sometimes. Sometimes it is. I mean, players end up having to execute the scheme, and that's and let's not take that away. That's what the Buccaneers are doing the best of right now, defensively and offensively too. They're executing the plays. It really doesn't matter what plays are called because whoever calls the plays is still going to call those plays that are that are basically part of the script. Uh, for that day, for that game plan. That's why you put a game plan together. But at the end of the day, the players have to execute, and that's what we're seeing. And, and again, I think today is just a byproduct of what happened last week. You, it all starts with one victory, playing one game well, and then you back it up and you start and you play another game well. You start to develop confidence, and it's catching. I mean, we're seeing it with Cairo Santos, of yeah, all people, yeah. who if you don't know if you're listening in, uh, he's the Buccaneers kicker, second one this year, uh, about the 18th in the last uh, five years for the Buccaneers. Um, he's confident right now. He can't miss. He can't miss because he's confident. And basically, that's what you're seeing out of the defense. They hardly miss now because they're playing confident football. Levante David was back. That was big for this team. Had a sack, led the team in tackles. You know, a lot of the big names had their moments. You know, Gerald McCoy put had a, had a key pressure in one of those interceptions. Uh, JPP put pressure on. But Andrew Adams was the hero of the day, the headline for this Buccaneer defense. I had a chance to catch up with him after the game. Andrew, your yeah. defense has preached that these things come in bunches. I guess you're they a perfect do. example of that, right? They do come in bunches. You know, um, Coach Hoke and Coach Maxey have, you know, been preaching on that. You know, if you get one, they're going to keep coming. We got one last week, then we got another one last week, and we got, I think, what, four this week? So they're going to keep coming. This would be a satisfying day for anybody, but the fact that you've had to have the road to get here, does that make it more satisfying? Um, definitely. You know, it's, it's kind of bittersweet that, you know, um, after being released, you know, you're kind of at a low point in your career. And then I was so happy, you know, to be in Tampa. You know, the guys embraced me, and, um, you know, I love my teammates, and I really wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So, um, you know, I, I love it in Tampa. Personally, this is why I love covering sports is stories like Andrew Adams. I mean, <laughs> nobody would have predicted this. And it was such an Achilles heel for this football team. And to me, you know, we talked about Mark Duffner and what he's done defensively. But, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how thin they were at that position and how that is the strength of this defense today in a lot of ways. You know, Andrew Adams is a good example of how this Buccaneers defense has just gotten so much better Andrew Adams was in the Buccaneers camp for like three days before he got pressed into action because of injuries in a game I believe was against Cincinnati. And he was the culprit on a third and 14 play in which he basically uh, failed to get to his mark on a, on, a, on, a, on a down, on a third down play. And he failed to make the play because he dropped back way too far. You never drop back past the sticks as in this case, he was a middle linebacker. He's a hybrid player. He can play a little bit of linebacker, a little bit of safety. In this case, he was a linebacker. And on a third and 14 play, he dropped about six yards past the sticks. The Bengals ended up completing that play. They made the completion. They got the completion, got the first down, went on to score a touchdown, and the route was on. Wow. And now the Bucks again, they, they came back and, and made it a game. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, 
But that was an example of just how lost he was in this defense. Mike Smith ends up getting fired next week. Um, and the next thing you know, uh, things start to turn around a little bit. Well, they're turning around now because the players uh, have had time to understand the defense and learn the defense, uh, the young players in particular. The guys, some of them weren't playing today, but you know, guys like MJ Stewart, Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead, these young guys who are new to this defense, even Andrew Adams, JV and Elliott, who was here, you know, has been here a little bit here and there over the course of the last couple of years, they've had an opportunity to basically settle into this defense, get more reps because of the injuries, and now we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. So uh, things are turning around. And look, I've been saying that there's numbers to back up this defensive effort. Here's a couple of the numbers. These, these are going to surprise you. Since Mark Duffner took over as the Buccaneers defensive coordinator, the Buccaneers are second in the NFL in sacks. That's unbelievable. 26. 26 sacks since he took over. Since Mark Duffner took over, the Buccaneers are fifth in the NFL in third down, third downs, uh, third down percentage, and which is ex- exceptional. They were last. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And they're twelfth in the NFL going into today, twelfth in yards. And now I would think they're probably going to move up possibly in the top ten based on what they gave up today because it wasn't a whole lot. And here's the other thing. At home, and this is a little bit different, this is including uh, Mike Smith, at home the Buccaneers are giving up an average of 16 points a game. Today they give up 17. That's winning football at home. Back in the day when Warren Sapp and John Lynch and, and Derek Brooks patrolled the defense for the Buccaneers, they used to have a saying, give us 17 points, yep. we'll take care of the rest. That was their message to the offense. This Buccaneers team is doing that at home, and now since Mark Duffner came through, came about, around as the defensive coordinator, they are playing much better football. The sacks are up, the defensive coverage is better, third downs are better. They were exceptional today on third down. Uh, overall, uh, I know at one point during the game, it was 0 for 4. Uh, at the end of the day, 3 for 8 for the Panthers on third down, 38%. That's that's winning football from a defensive standpoint. And they say it all starts up front, and that's the healthiest portion of this Bucks defense right now. I mean, Vita Vea, obviously he's come on the last couple of weeks. Bo Allen's healthy. Vinny Curry's back. And speaking of Vinny Curry, I had a chance to catch up with him after the Bucks win. Vinny, you guys preached that turnovers come in bunches. I guess that was proof today. Last week you kind of built off what you did last week as a defense. Yes, at the end of the day, man, guys was, guys was just humming on all cylinders. The linebackers, the D-line, DV. Special teams, the offense, everything's just clicking finally. And that's what you like to see out of this football team. Yeah, Vinny Curry, that, that was a jubilant, jubilant locker room afterwards. Not too high, uh, but definitely not low. And a confident, you see the confidence picking up as you watch the players react the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you really do uh, all across the football team. I just, I think it's almost like they've forgotten that every time you know, our kicker goes on the field. It's an adventure. Every time James Winston drops back to pass and it's it's an adventure when you can play without those fears. And again, on, def- on defense, and it's the same way on offense too. When you can play uh, without thinking, you play faster and you play harder. It's just naturally that way. Anytime you have to think about doing something, it slows you down. When you do it naturally, uh, you do it much better and much quicker. And the Buccaneers are in that mode right now. Um, yes, it took them a little bit too long, maybe too long uh, overall. We'll see. Um, they've got still got a, a, a big mountain to climb here to, to really be a, a part of this thing. But look, uh, at this point in the season, when everybody gave up uh, this gave this team up for dead, um, they're alive. They're they're out of the cellar in the NFC South. 
Um, they're, 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 they're peeking in from the outside edges of that playoff picture. Uh, and they got a big game coming up against New Orleans, which, by the way, maybe they're reeling a little bit after that loss uh, last week to Dallas. You know, like I said at the top of the show, uh, it's not just uh, turnovers, or takeaways that come in bunches. Wins come in bunches. And as the Buccaneers know all too well, losses come in bunches too. So let's see what happens. All right, let's switch to the offense, Roy. I see the biggest zero on the stat sheet is the one under interceptions for Jameis Winston for the second straight week. 20 to 30, uh, very workmanlike, 249 yards, two touchdown passes. Boy, this is huge for Jameis Winston. He was very, I thought, even keel afterwards about, you know, I just got to get better. But deep down, he has to know this is a process. This is a process, and, he, and, it's, and it's great for him right now. Yeah, it is. And I think he does realize that it's a process. I think he realizes that, look, a lot has been taken away from him this year. The opportunity to play the game, period, was taken away from him. Then the opportunity to be the starter was taken away from him. I think uh, James Winston re- is realizing that, it really is a privilege to play in this, to be in this league and to play in this league. And that if you don't play at the right level and do what the, the team expects of you, you're going to lose that opportunity. And I don't think he wants to lose it again. So, yeah, he's playing a much smarter game. Look, another one of the things that you, you, you look at the big zero uh, under the interception category, another category where you look at the number, you might wince a little bit, four sacks for 29 yards. Yeah. But you know what? A couple of those sacks at least were okay. Because they were sacks in which the defense got on him too quickly. He didn't have a chance to escape. And he decided instead of trying to make a play, which how many times have we seen him try to make a play mm-hmm. uh, in those situations as he's going down, he, he decided, okay, I'll take the sack. I'll live for the next down. And, 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 if, and if it means I live for the next series, then I live for the next series as well. So um, it's really uh, – we're seeing Jameis Winston develop right before our eyes. We've seen this kind of development happen before – little bits here and there but again I you hope that this time it really the message really gets through and he continues to play because again he just made smart passes when he made smart when he made passes today he made smart passes the one time when he threw a ball that looked like it might be a pick was down near his end zone and, it, and the reason he threw the ball was because he thought he was going to get a holding call on the defender and it didn't come out that way the ball ended up being incomplete but even then he was thinking look I've got a chance of getting a penalty here if I make this throw. So I'm going to make this throw. And it didn't work out that way. But, um, again, that's that's a lesson that you can learn from uh, to know, you know what, don't, don't, don't expect to get – just because you see a hold, don't expect the uh, official to see it that way. Great breakdown there. Here's what Jameis Winston said about his improving play after the game. Every rep that I take, uh, I can learn something from it. Uh, you, I will never arrive, I think. Even a quarterback that's been in this league for 20 years uh, will say that. So you got to continue to get better. Uh, this game, I, I definitely know I got to fix some things, whether it's my drop, whether it's ball placement. Uh, I wish I had that hitch to Cam break uh, again. I wish I would have threw it up. Uh, so I got to get better uh, every single day. But it's one day at a time, one completion at a time, and one play at a time. Yeah, the normally reliable Cam Braid had a few drops. Uh, uncharacteristic game for him. Uh, I thought Jameis's throw, though, to Chris Godwin, one of the best throws I've ever seen from him for the touchdown. Uh, you're absolutely right. And uh, that was uh, that, that uh, comment of yours there was confirmed by Dirk Cutter in the uh, postseason press conference where he said that on that touchdown throw to Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin was actually Jameis Winston's fourth read. Wow. He had to escape the pocket. Had to run away from pressure. He was thinking about running the ball at that point, seeing what he could get there when he might have gotten a touchdown out of it. Um, but at the end of the day, he saw Chris Godwin open 
and and made the throw on his fourth read. So those who think that Jameis Winston spends his days uh, just staring down one receiver all the time, forget it. Uh, he doesn't do that. Uh, we can toss away that cliche because he's looking around and finding third and fourth options on a regular basis. Here's Dirk Cutter on Jameis Winston's uh, day. Uh, happy, happy, of course, for Jameis. And, uh, you know, it's Jameis's production when, when he – uh, when we don't turn the ball over, when he doesn't turn the ball over, his production is always going to be there. Jameis is a is a fantastic player, and sometimes that gets negated by turnovers. But you can see the last two weeks when we don't turn the ball over, uh, we're a lot harder to beat. And by the way, Jameis Winston, part of that special day today, he's the Bucks' leading rusher. Five rushes, 48 yards, 9.6 per carry. Uh, 18 long for, for him. So a good game for Jameis Winston from the running standpoint. Now, a lot of that was uh, a result of him having to escape the pocket. But, um, hey, you know what? Uh, we didn't even talk today. So I don't know if the offensive line played exceptionally well, but, you know, Leonard Wester was in there at yeah. right tackle today yep. for DeMar Dotson. Uh, Caleb Beninock was back in at right guard. Uh, didn't see a lot of Alex Kappa today the way we have in the, uh, did last week. Um, so, uh, you know, James Winston under a little bit of pressure, but uh, he found a way to escape that pressure. Instead of throwing the ball, decided to run it. Again, that's smart decision-making, good quarterback play. You mentioned the running. How about the throwing? He now is the all-time Buccaneer leader in <laughs> touchdown passes. I don't know if that says a lot about Jameis Winston or says how bad the quarterback play has been in Tampa. It's Well, when you re realize that he now has 81 career touchdown passes, and that's the franchise record, and that he passed Josh Freeman's 80 uh, to, to establish that record, um, that – Gives you a little bit hint, uh, hint of what it is the Buccaneers have uh, had at quarterback over the years. We know that they've given up their best quarterbacks. They've mm -hmm. never re-signed a quarterback to a second contract. But, Mike, I'm going to say it right now. James Winston's going to be the first. He's going to be here next year, quarterback in this football team. I'm going to say it right now because I think that what the Glazers are looking for is not necessarily these last how he looks in these last six games. I think they're looking ahead to saying, what's he going to be like over the next six years? Too many times this organization has said, you know what? I don't like what I've seen the last three, four years or the last two years, so I'm giving up on this guy. They're going to project ahead and say, this kid is still going to get better. Maybe they need a, They might still look at a coaching change, although the way things are going, why would you at this point? Um, I know fans will be crazy about that, but we'll explain it maybe in our next podcast why, that, why this group uh, deserves to stick around. Um, the fact that they have the number one offense in the NFL might be a part of it. The fact that defense is actually starting to play like a defense might be part of it. But at the end of the day, um, Jameis Winston, uh, you can make the argument right now that at least in terms of what he's done on the field, best quarterback the Bucs have ever had. Wow. Good stuff from Roy Cummings right there. Well, listen, Justin, before we uh, say goodbye, you know what time it is. Okay, three and out, three questions, and we are out of here. And Roy doesn't know what I'm going to ask. Justin doesn't know what I'm going to ask. But uh, you know what? I love playing the hypothetical game because if you're a coach, you certainly are day, game by game, week to week. But we in the media, we don't have to be that way. So, you know, I'm looking at the Bucks' schedule right now, Roy. All right? Saints, Ravens, Cowboys, Falcons. That's not easy. How many wins will the Bucs have if you had to predict right now at the end of the year? They have five right now. They're five and seven. They're out of last place. Falcons have lost four in a row. Carolina's lost four in a row. That's a tough road. But how many of those do you think they can win? I think they can win them all. 
Ooh. Uh, when I say th- – I'm not predicting they will. <laughs> but they can. They're capable of yes. winning them all. Okay. Um, obviously, you look at the Saints as probably the toughest one, but they've beaten the Saints. They've got them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at Baltimore is a winnable game for them. I think at Dallas is a winnable game for them. And I think home against the Falcons is a winnable game for them. The way they're playing right now, uh, if we continue to see this kind of play out of the Buccaneers – I think they can win all four. Um, how many will they win? Two. Two. Ju- two. Okay. Justin, what you got? Uh, yeah, I think they will beat Atlanta, and I think they will win a close game against Baltimore. So I have them winning two as well. Well, the Saints better get their act together. I, I cover the Saints, uh, full disclosure. I was there for the Dallas game. Those wide receivers were not getting separation. The offensive line didn't have a good game. But the New Orleans defense is getting better. I think that's a bad timing game for the Bucs because I think the Saints are going to be kind of an angry team coming in here. I think they can win that, but I don't think they will. I think they beat the Ravens. I think they definitely beat the Falcons. The Cowboys are good. That's a good football team. So I'm going to say two as well, and we'll see if that's – <clears throat> Good enough for Dirk Cutter if uh, Jameis Winston can keep improving. That's going to be the, the question we talk about on podcasts as we move along here. All right, our second question, our three and out. I want to give you these three dynamic playmakers because watching Christian McCaffrey play, that guy is unbelievable. I'm surprised he didn't go to him more often because every time he touches the ball, it's positive yardage. If you could have one of these three players on your football team and they're three young guys who are going to be in the league for a long time, which one would you pick? And I'm sitting right next to Roy. He has no idea I'm going to ask him this question. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, or Todd Gurley? Which one do you want moving wow. forward? Wow. You know, I think most people would say Todd Gurley, but I'll take Christian McCaffrey, and here's why. I think he's a different kind of player than any other running back in the game. He's capable of doing so much. I don't even think the Panthers – have used him to the best of his abilities yet. Remember when Christian McCaffrey came out? They didn't know, where is he going to play? Is he going to play wide receiver? Is he going to play in a slot? Is he going to be a running back? I mean, you can obviously catch the ball. I think there's more to be done with Christian McCaffrey than has been done. I think he is a football player. And I think because of, and I think, and actually, I think the best way to preserve him, look, we all know that running backs don't last very long in this league, three, four years tops, right? If that, I think the best way to preserve Christian McCaffrey is to start giving him more snaps as a slot receiver, mm. as a, as lining up as a tight end or an H-back, uh, working him out of the backfield that way. Uh, I, I know the reason he's getting the ball so much because they, you know, he's such a dynamic player. They're trying to take full advantage of the skill set, but I'll take Christian McCaffrey out of that group because I think he's got more ability to do more than the other guys. You can line him up anywhere in the offense, and he's a weapon for you. And I think if the Carolina Panthers Panthers want to preserve him, they'll start to line him up more and, and work him at different spots. I've known you for a long time, but we've been doing these podcasts for months now. I didn't know what you would say. That's interesting stuff. Justin, what you got? I'm just going to have Roy speak for me from now on. He pretty much yeah. he said everything that I was going to say. Christian McCaffrey, uh, I feel like in today's NFL with offenses, you you want a running back that can do both, not only run but catch. And McCaffrey reminds me of a faster Camara. Uh, he's amazing, like you said, Mike. I'm surprised they didn't get him the ball more. So of the three, I would definitely pick McCaffrey. I hate when we agree. It makes for bad podcasts. No, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. Why I like McCaffrey, 
Uh, there's two reasons. All those guys that I mentioned, Ezekiel Elliott, Ty Gurley, you're scared every time they touch the football. But I think those other guys are a little more one-dimensional. Obviously, McCaffrey can hurt you different ways. Here's another thing. McCaffrey, I don't think he's going to be an injury-prone guy in this league. He knows when to get down. He, he's kind of like Warwick Dunn in a lot of ways. Warwick Dunn was so small, but you wonder, why doesn't he get hurt more? He knows when to get down, yeah. and he knows when to maneuver around defenders. That was one of the things talked about about Christian McCaffrey coming out of college is, uh, you know, how he seemed to have a sense of how to protect his body, uh, even in college. And that, that's an important element uh, when you're a running back in this league in particular. And, uh, yeah, look, back in that draft, I didn't think there was a better football player in the draft than Christian McCaffrey. If he'd have gone number one overall, I could have understood it. Um, and you know, we'll see how it shakes out, but there's there's a real good, strong possibility that he could end up being the best player out of that draft. I think the Carolina Panthers right now may be the most disappointing team in the NFL. The way they started, the fact they've lost four games in a row, and really that offense should be a lot better. They finally have Cam Newton some weapons. For years they said he didn't have any weapons. Right. Well, now there's no excuse, Cam. All right, my last question, Roy's going to get a kick out of this because uh, – we watched the game and, and kind of saw this, and I got I learned something about Roy every time I watch a game with him. But I, I can't wait to get his take on this and Justin's. <laughs> All right, you had to do this, okay? If you go to a game, you're not a member of the media, you had to paint your face, you had to wear like a goofy hat, or you had to be like a mascot, or you just had something over your head the whole game. Of those three options, I know none of us are – I'm not faulting anybody who does that. I give you a lot of credit. It makes sports – fun but i'm thinking the three of us are very different but the one thing we may have in common is that neither one of us would do any of that but if you had to do one of those what would it be man oh man um <laughs> whatever hides my face i guess give me that one because <laughs> i don't want people to know if i'm gonna have to do something like that i don't want to know about it i mean look when i go to a game as a fan at best i'll wear a hat and a shirt yeah. for that team and that's it I'm not going to paint my face. I'm not going to have horns growing out of the, you know, out of my head. I'm not going to be, you know, all dolled up in some kind of, you know, regalia. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly not going to dress like a, a dress up like a woman with a hog's nose or anything like that. Uh, just not going to happen. Um, I'll support my team by wearing a hat. So if I have to do one of those things, give me the one that hides my face wow. so that nobody knows who I am. Wow. Justin, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I think I'd go with the last option, wearing like the mascot head or, yeah. you know, putting on uh, something like that. I think that would be fun. I, I don't, it's not so much that I don't mind or wouldn't want to wear the face paint, but I feel like that would be a pain in the butt to deal with afterwards. So I would stay away from that. I'd go with the more fun one. See, the difference with us guys is we don't have that gene. There's a gene in the people who do that. And I'm not knocking them. There's a gene in those people that says, you know what? I don't mind getting up in the morning on a Sunday and painting my face and, and putting on this stuff and that stuff and going around, you know, there's something in them that, that says, Hey, look at me. I, I'm not that kind of guy. Um, but I get why they do it. Um, you know, do, do they bleed more of their team colors than others? I guess to some degree, but, you know, there's just different ways of support. And there's, you know what, I guess good for the guys who are the people, the women, men and women who, who feel like they got to dress up like, 
you know, something out of a, a from a different planet to, to to be one of those supporters. And here's my take on it. Yeah, you have to have the gene. You also have to have some foresight that you know what you're rolling the dice a little bit, especially if you're on the road. Imagine how it's going to feel when you're walking out of the game yeah. looking like that. Yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, you know, let's just say you, you you painted your face like a Carolina Panther fan today. I, I love it. It makes sports more fun. I know we're all different. Another thing I've never really done is bought in a jersey with a, another player's name on the back. I, I've, I've have them. I have them at home. I've, I've done different projects with them sports-wise, but I've never worn it to a game. But that's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes sports fun. I love looking at, you know, when I drive up to stadiums and on the road and seeing maybe what jersey is the most popular, especially yeah. at a place like Cleveland that's had a million quarterbacks <laughs> in the last 20 years. Which jersey is going to stand out? Yeah. I'm not judging at all. I think we're all different, and that's why sports – environments are a lot of fun but I, i'd probably go with mascot head too but if it's hot you know that's going to be a big dilemma because i'm definitely yeah. Yeah. Face. So, that's the uh, other thing is yeah to, to dress up in some of these costumes not only is it a lot of work and an investment in time it's hot yeah. it's hot in those things man <laughs> the worst thing you want to do and and i've seen this a couple of times if you're the if you're a paint the face guy when that's if, if you don't get the right stuff that stuff will run. Oh, man. <laughs> man, you don't want that. You don't want that. There are these guys at Florida State that do the glitter all over. Oh, like take their shirts off and do that. Yeah. God bless them, man. God bless you guys. I hope you like PeterPirates.com because we're not judging you. I'm actually applauding you because there's no way in hell I'd ever do that. Yeah. But uh, God bless you. All right. Well, we, we touched them all. We went from glitter to Winston to our president. Andrew Adams, across the board. We appreciate you uh, logging on, checking out our podcast. Please subscribe to PeterPirates.com. It's free. And check out our video updates every week. Roy and I just taped one that will be up on our website shortly, our extra slice video wrap of the Bucks' second win in a row over the Carolina Panthers. We'll preview that Saints game this week. It'll be interesting. Uh, a lot of good uh, stuff to talk about, I'm sure, with the Bucks leading up to that game. We'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Again, great brews. Great food, great service. For our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings, for our esteemed producer, Justin Thomas, I am merely non-face painting Mike Neighbors. Thanks for logging on. We'll see you down the road.